This is your host, John Taney, and it's time again for Mom on Pop, the podcast where my mom, Bonnie Taney, weighs in on all manner of pop culture, the latest, the greatest, the not-so-greatest. In this episode, Mom and I will discuss Blade Runner 2049, and we'll turn our advice column critiques back to Miss Manners, and of course, we'll have the latest updates from the Mom Compound in New Hampshire, which is where we find Mom this crisp fall afternoon. How you doing, Mom? Very well. You sound like you're still getting over your cold. Oh, I can't shake this thing. I mean, at least I'm able to podcast this week, uh, barely, but uh, it's it's been almost three weeks now. I'm, ge- yeah. I'm getting a little crazy. Yeah. I think, I think Leo, um, if that's where you got it, can pick up a super germ, because when I came home from Chicago the last time, I had his cold, and it lasted three weeks. I guess babies are just like germ collectors. Well, and he's out and about quite a bit, you know. He goes to those, those he, he's at the playground for one, and then he's at the, the little indoor play places, and, you know, I'm sure they're not disinfecting every night. I don't know, but... Oh, boy. I finally went to the doctor over the weekend, which I hate to do, as you know. I know. It was one of those immediate care clinics. It was just attached to a Walgreens, this particular one. And uh, the doctor just walked out with me after the exam and sort of picked a different cocktail of over-the-counter medications that I had been taking. And uh, those helped a lot, except this morning I forgot to take all of them. Mm, So that's great. Also, if you hear any echoes in the background, I've been uh, I'm having to record in the writer's room for the TV show, which is, by the way, the AV Club hosted by John Tatey, Thursdays at 11 on Fusion TV. And uh, the commotion you hear out there is my staff. And let me tell you, you have probably the best staff in the world. It is, yeah. It's it's a great bunch. And we are nearing the season finale, which airs next Thursday. And it's going to be tough to say goodbye to these folks. They are really a magnificent team. Very professional, very lovely, very conscientious. I, I think that they're, I want them to come live in my town with me. <laughs> Uh, Hey, did you set your clock back? Oh, my God. Well, you know, let me tell you this. I I set my downstairs clocks, and then I forgot to reset the bedroom clock. And uh, apparently Toast was going by, my cat, was going by the upstairs clock. He's (laughs) having a hard time not waking me up at 6. I mean, the cats don't get it, for sure, but... uh... My cats, at least, I'm always able to just, like, tell them to go away, and, and we dealt with it that way, but you can't do the same thing for a baby. So I'm <laughs> realizing all my life I've liked fall back because you get an extra hour. But right. I've realized that as a parent, fall back is terrible because Leo, I mean, it's really about Leo. Eve also doesn't care, but she doesn't sleep on a reasonable schedule yet anyway. But uh, Leo, who I get up with in the morning does not know it's daylight saving time. Right, right. Which I could have done the math on that, I guess, because I know that he doesn't know how to read a clock, but... I didn't think much about it till till Toast woke me up, and I looked at the clock, and I said, all right, fair enough, time for, for breakfast. And then when I came downstairs, I said, oh, crap. <laughs> so... Whoops. That was that was doubly worse because I got out of bed, you know? Yeah. 
Well, uh, I know you saw this story. Massachusetts is trying to join the Atlantic time zone, which is one hour ahead of even the Eastern time zone. Uh, it would basically be like having daylight saving time all year. You know, I, I could do that. I could do that. I, I just don't like the change. I think it's, uh, it, for some reason, it's an hour, it's no big deal, but for some reason, it really does throw me for a day or two. Absolutely. Everybody hates the change. What states are the Atlantic states? Um, there are no American, uh, none of the United States is in the Atlantic time zone. I believe, oh. um, I want to say Nova Scotia or maybe okay. Newfoundland. Gotcha. What is it, Arizona that doesn't flip-flop? Arizona doesn't bother with it, yeah. Yeah. And yay, Arizona. You know, I know probably in its day it was a very good thing, but um, I find it a pain in the ass, to tell you the truth. Plus, I, you know, it's, I always have to relearn how to reset the clock car, which I dislike. Oh, yeah. The car clock, you mean? Yeah. What did I Do say? Do you have a clock car? Wow. Yeah. That would be nifty. <laughs> it looks like a big wristwatch. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, Mom, I looked it up, and uh, Newfoundland has its own time zone. Really? One and a half hours ahead of Eastern. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's absurd. Can you believe that? We learned a little something here on Mom on Pop today. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Don't do business with them, because they probably never answer the phone. Oh, my God. Half an hour. Can you imagine trying to manage that? No, I can't. That's That's ridiculous. Well, uh, you know, speaking of getting sleep, I, ha I had a question for you. I'm listening. So Anna's uh, mom, and, mom and dad came up to Illinois just for a, a day, really, uh, a day or two recently. And Anna's mom uh, was going home to Elgin. There was some sort of reunion there. I don't know what it was. I didn't see her is the, is the long and short of that. But her dad, while her mom was having fun in Elgin with her old friends, her dad came uh, to stay with us for a day to hang out with us. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he just, he made a pie and he uh, hung out with the babies a little bit. And it was a Sunday, so at, at a certain point I went downstairs to watch football and uh, I fell asleep. Which <laughs> is, as you know, as a longtime parent, is glorious. When, I, when you get two uh. babies, you know, to get a little extra sleep. I didn't mind falling asleep during the football at all. In fact, I, you know, I knew what was happening and I, I let yeah. it happen. I didn't fight it. But a half hour later, Anna comes down and wakes me up. And she says, I thought my father was staying the night, but it turns out he's leaving right now. And uh, I thought you might want to come up and say goodbye to him. And I didn't say anything, but I gather that the look on my face uh, indicated my response because she yeah. immediately followed that up with, but maybe not. Uh, <laughs> wow. Very good on the social cues, yeah. huh? <laughs> I guess so. But I was already awake and then I couldn't get back to sleep. And I just, so I just wanted to ask you, is father-in-law leaving after a five-hour visit? worth waking up a father of babies for because clearly my verdict was no and my answer is never <laughs> yeah. it, sleep is so sacred so fleeting so hard it's it's like it's like oxygen it, no sleep should never be interrupted yeah so i was right here but 
nothing against my lovely wife, who was just being very sweet. And or her father, who is quite well, of course. lovely also. And I should also add this context to it, which I think might have fed into it, is a, a week earlier, her mom had been up for, she had just finished like a, she came up for a week or so. And a yeah. week earlier, she had left, and she left without saying goodbye which I found a little odd. And I said to Anna, you know, I texted your mom, I, but I didn't get to say goodbye to her. So maybe she thought quite reasonably that it was very important to me to say goodbye. Yeah, yeah. But I was already awake when Gretchen left. That was the crucial difference. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, and maybe, you know, maybe men uh, would answer differently. But as the mom... I, I wouldn't wake anybody up. Well, thank you for settling that non-argument for me, and I'm sure I'll get an earful from Anna when this uh, podcast no, goes out. No, Anna understands. I'm, you know, I'm sure she, she gets does. it. She got it right away. I know she does. Uh, so we're talking about a movie today. This is the first movie we've done in the new season of Mom on Bob. I think we've done all TV so far. Um, yeah. We're talking about... Uh, a movie, but I understand you have a complaint about your movie-going experience. What is that? Well, it isn't really a complaint. It's just an observation. Okay. It's just an observation that, first of all, I, when I went to the movie, it was at 12 o'clock on a very nice afternoon, and I there was nobody there. There was nobody there. And I don't usually buy the ticket so when the guy said to me you know pick your seat i just you know so anyway i did pick my seat but then when i got into the theater it was very dark and i couldn't really find it so i just sat anywhere but there was only four of us in there so i don't think it mattered i don't know what that's all about anyway pick your seat in the lobby you can't walk in and just pick one what is that all about yeah, I like assigned seats. I don't get it. Well, it saves you this. I mean, you don't get it because you went to a matinee where there was nobody there. But if it's a packed house, it's nice to have an assigned seat. It only takes two minutes to walk in and, and put your coat on a seat. I don't, I, I'm sorry, I just don't You've get it. You've never gone into a crowded theater and had to hunt around for a seat in the dark and you got to climb over people. And I mean, it's a pain. It's very stressful to try, try to look for... Two seats together, say. Were you there by yourself? Yes, I was there by myself, but... Okay, one seat together. There's no climbing over anyone. It's like a, it's like an airstrip between each row. Okay, well, that's, it sounds like a very nice theater, but still, if it's, if it's busy, it's nice to know you're going to have a seat. Then you can take your time. You, you don't have to go in and put your coat down. You can get some refreshments. Uh, let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some snacks. No. Yes. Bring your own damn snacks. Everything was so expensive. Okay. Well, I have to say, um, I do like the assigned seats. And I also have to say, you told me you wanted to say something about previews at the movies. So what the hell is this assigned seat business? This is the second well, This right. is the second podcast in a row that you've told me what you want to talk about. And then I tee you up. <laughs> and you go in a completely different direction. It's very stressful to do this podcast with you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> what the hell do you want to say about the goddamn previews? Well, listen, they have a fantasy movie league? <laughs> what the hell is that? Well, what the hell is it? I don't know what it is. They had a big ad for a fantasy movie league. <laughs> I never heard it. What is that? That's stupid. And a place to sign up. It, I just, I, I almost missed the Marantha almond butter ad because I was still trying to figure out 
What? It was. Oh, you don't want to miss that almond butter ad. Okay, I looked this up here. I'm looking at it. Fan- with Fantasy Movie League, you pick eight movies each week to fill your virtual theater. And as the box office climbs, so do you. So you basically, you're trying to pick which movies are going to do well uh, at the box office that week. It sounds fun. <laughs> that doesn't sound fun to you? No. It sounds like a fun game to me. I'm still trying to wrap my head around fantasy football, and, you know, I'm, I'm accepting of it and all that, but the fantasy movie league? <laughs> You're still trying to wrap your head around fantasy football? Nah, not really. Yeah, that's what I thought. What do you care? I don't care. I think it's a, I think it's a pretty fun idea for a, for a way to enjoy all the football games that are on Sunday and Monday and Thursday and, and almost every day of the week now. Right. So what if you're not into football, but you are into cinematic entertainment? Here's the league for you. Oh, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm just saying it's stunned. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad we got to that eventually. Okay, I'm sorry. Apologies to everybody. <laughs> Apologies to everybody. But mostly me, right? Oh, I'll send flowers as soon as we're I'm done. I'm just trying here. to produce the show here, and it seems like this, you keep screwing with my head. Hey, if it's that easy to screw with, then you need to get a little more sleep. <laughs> well, we're retired we're, Yeah, together. that's right. We already covered that. Okay, should we talk about Blade Runner 2049? I think we yes, should. Yes, let's talk. Okay. Yes. Blade Runner 2049 is the sequel to the venerable 1982 sci-fi noir film Blade Runner. 35 years later, this new chapter to the story brings Harrison Ford back into the fold, but this time Ryan Gosling is the lead. Gosling plays Kay, who, like Ford's character, is a Blade Runner, a detective who hunts down rogue replicants. These are bioengineered humans who have outlived their expiration date. Here's a little bit of the trailer for you. You're a cop. I had your job once. I was good at it. I know. What do you want? I want to ask you some questions. Blade Runner 2049 is in theaters now. Mom, how did you feel about Blade Runner 2049? I loved it. Oh, that's great. Now, I did already know that you were into the film because I should uh, let people know that this week on the show, TV show, rather, uh, Thursday night at 11 Eastern, Mom makes an appearance and she's on a a quick Mom on Pop segment where she talks about Blade Runner 2049. And I was most stunned in the couple minutes we spent talking about it, Mom, that you uh, thought Ryan Gosling was kind of homely. Oh, oh, I didn't say homely. Just you know, he looks like, you know what he looks like? Here's, here's a blast from the past. And when I was a kid, they used to have um, ads on the back of, of comic books that, that showed this guy getting sand kicked in his face on the yeah, beach. Yeah, You know, and then, I don't know what it was, vitamins or some exercise thing, and oh, butch and everything. So that's, he just looks kind of sad, you know? He does look sad, yeah. He's pretty sad in this movie. Um, so... I know that you were coming into it cold. You had not seen the original film. So describe to me what, what happened. Summarize the movie for me without, without spoilers. Well, we're going we're gonna to try to keep this relatively spoiler-free. It's not really that kind of movie anyway, but we're not going to reveal any of the big uh, mysteries. Well, first of all, I had to write down the word replicants because I know you didn't like when I said robots, <laughs> but 
They are robots. Well, they're they're not really though. They're not machines. I don't want to fight about this. They're again. not machines. You I'm going to use the word replicants. Okay, good. They are replicants, even though it's and not robots. A lot of syllables. And first, let me just say, life looks pretty bleak in 2049. Yes. It looks sad. But anyway, K. Ryan Gosling. Yes. Well, you already said what it is that he that he's his job is to disarm the replicants that have outlived their usefulness. He gets wind somewhere along the line that he might be real. This is where I get confused. Okay. Is that right? Well, I love the way you put it, and that 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 gets at actually part of the, you know, the movie is an investigation of what a soul is, right? And Kay is is wondering whether he has a soul or not because he starts to think that perhaps he is a replicant that was not created uh, by people, but in fact uh, was born. <laughs> it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. It's tricky. Um, he was born from a replicant mother. The notion is that the, the old maker of the replicants, Tyrell, who we saw in the original movie, had perfected a model that was able to actually give birth and that replicants didn't need to be manufactured anymore. So he is on uh, the hunt for that replicant. And yes, he he also wonders if maybe it's him. It's very interesting because it shows what his life is like and it looks rather normal. It looks rather lifelike. I mean, that's how these replicants live their life um, as people essentially and he's lucky enough to have a hologram wife who uh, is just very pretty and everything that you could want is here in this hologram wife and I guess that is supposed to enrich their lives and keep them interested um for amusement. Well, yeah, but anybody uh, can get the, you know, it's kind of like the future Siri is the idea here, right? Uh, so I, th- I think that the, that's his wife, but I believe that anybody can, can get one of those. Well, I bet they're all gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, the movie implies as much, yes. Which I thought, which made me a little sad. It made me a little sad that women were still looked at uh, as, as sex objects, you know, they were they the women were very sexy. There was ads that that uh, on billboards that came to life and would sort of interact with you as you pass them by. Um, and you know, still poor women looked like sex symbols. Uh, yeah, and I think that is part of the dystopia. Uh, but the movie has come under a, a little criticism for that uh, in certain corners, and I understand that. But I also look at characters uh, like Robin Wright's police chief character, yeah. and even Love, the somewhat humorously named replicant, who is uh, basically the right-hand woman to uh, Wallace, who is the, he now is the industrial kingpin who oversees the manufacture of replicants. And he is desperately trying to create a replicant that can give birth and has enlisted Love's help in uh, tracking down that mystery as well. So she's kind of hunting down the solution to this mystery at the same time Kay is. You know, I'm not saying that it, it detracted from the movie because this movie was, was done so very well. It was it moved right along. It was slick. It was thoughtful. 
and it was so interesting for me in parts that it was confusing because as Ryan Gosling's character is moving through the movie, he becomes um, entrenched in this search for the woman that implants their memories. Right. Why does she have to live in a bubble? It has to be a sterile bubble, right? I think she says that she yeah. uh, acquired a disease when she was young, and so she has to live in this bubble. So she doesn't have a life, and she instead creates invented lives, invented memories to implant in the replicants. Yeah. And she's very yeah. good at it, apparently. Very good. Very good. Because he has this one memory that um, seems very real to him, and in the end, it doesn't seem like it was uh, made up but, you know, that was part of my confusion. I think it's a movie that I'm going to go back and see because I, now that I have a, an understanding of where it's going, I think I could maybe pick through those things a little better. Sure. Um, science fiction is very challenging for me in that it's hard to suspend belief and just flow with it, which I did in this um, movie. And... This movie is beautiful. It is really beautiful. It's very poetic, which is shocking to me. And you know what it made me think of, Johnny? You played a video game years ago, a couple years ago, that had a character running through the snow. That's what I remember. Journey? Yes. Yeah. Tell me why I, I love the comparison. Tell me why it reminded you of, of uh, Journey. I think that's a, really, that's a really interesting visual connection. Because when, when you were playing Journey and I was watching you play it, um, there was a character that sometimes made the, the trip with you mm -hmm. and then sometimes not. Right. And I... I was just sort of blown away by the softness that that thought brought. You know, when you look at when you looked at that game in the context of life, this this partner that you had sometimes and sometimes not, um, and did you want that partner with you? And it was very thought provoking. And I thought this movie was like that. Hmm. Yeah. What's the partner that that Ryan Gosling is searching for? Kay is searching for. Um, well, I thought this woman, this woman that, that makes the um, implanted memories, mm -hmm. he found some information that was to make people believe that he perhaps was the twin, if you will. That's right. The the mystery concerns two twins that were that were born from this replicant. Yeah, and he thinks that he's he's one of them and he it's it's hazy and again we're not going to give away the yeah. final ending, but he right. does he does pick up this information that uh, yes, it 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 advances the matter and kind of confuses it at the same time. Yes. Boy, I didn't I never would have made that connection, but I really like it. I thought you were going to also compare the the look because when I think of Journey, I also think of these, you know, part of Journey takes place in the desert and there are these sweeping beautiful yeah. desert scapes where the light plays across the the uh, contours of the land in just very striking ways yeah. and you get the same effect sometimes or a similar effect in Blade Runner which is a very Blade Runner 2049 very hazy um, but often very orange and sort of burnt out look in a certain yes. portion of the movie yes yes it has it really has the two 
um, ends of the spectrum in that, uh, you know, very bleak, it looks gray, it looks worn out and tired, mm. and, and then there's scenes that are just very soft and very uh, soothing, you know, that sort of made me stop feeling panicky about, oh my God, is this really where things are going? I loved it. I I really think it was a it was a wonderful movie. I think everybody that will enjoy it, even if you think you don't like science fiction, which I don't, I think you will enjoy this movie. Well, that's a great endorsement. I will. Uh, I just want to say, Mom, you mentioned that you suspend belief for sci-fi movies. It's disbelief that you're suspending. If you're suspending belief, that's a rather cynical way to enjoy fiction. Well, I do like to think of myself as cynical, but okay, suspending disbelief. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's your grade for Blade Runner 2049? Oh, A plus, easily. Yeah, and what about for Journey, the video game? <laughs> oh, is that a, Would people still play that? I people, thought, yeah, sure, people can still play that. Oh, that should get an A plus <laughs> plus. Don't you think? No. I think it's one of my I think it's a beautiful game it's really one of my all-time favorites it's stuck with me it makes me think I do yeah. want to add you mentioned that um, you know you, a companion can come in and join you for the journey sometimes that's an actual person who's playing the game and so for them oh, I right. I'm their companion you know what I mean right so um, that's that's part of the the concept of journey is that as you're journeying through the desert and then the temples and then the mountains in this rather spare and, and gorgeous game, uh, you may encounter someone else. And that's an actual human being on the other end of the line there. That's right. I did forget that, Johnny. Well, that's it's what so made it even that's what made it even more um, special, I think. Well, yes, and it really, it's, I love that you brought it up in the context of Blade Runner because Kay is also in search of, maybe not a companion per se, but he's in search of someone like him. You know, he wants to feel connected to someone. He yeah. wants to feel like he have a, he has a soul, and that's the question for him. And I love the way that you remembered Journey as seeing this character and... You can't really tell that it's that it's human. I mean, if you know how the game works, you know that that person is human, but it's just right. an avatar that appears on the screen, right? Right. It sort of, yeah. I, it sort of beautifully ties in with the question in the Blade Runner universe of is this a person or is it a replicant, and what is the meaningful difference between them? That's perfect. That really sums it up. Well, you brought me there, Ma. Well, we did it together, John. That's right. That's right. Okay, but just let me ask you this. Yeah. What were the replicants made to do in the first place? Um, they were made to do work, to do labor uh, okay. initially. And then they their pleasure models came out, um, but they were made to serve humans, essentially, in, in various ways. Do you think I should watch the first one? Well, I think, yes. I mean, I think, but I think anybody should watch the first one because it's, one of the greatest sci-fi movies of all time and a true classic and just a visually brilliant i mean it's brilliant in every way it's it's a wow. it's a fantastic movie that that sticks with you and demands repeat viewing kind of like blade runner 2049 does i will say that the first one is a little more uh poetic it's, oh. it's a, not entirely, but it's, it's you know, if there's a continuum between poetry and prose, I would say that the original Blade Runner leads a little more toward poetry, and Blade Runner 2049 hews a little closer to prose. 
Wow. Uh, so that's that's something you can look forward to there. But yes, okay. I think you should see it. All right. And what does Blade Runner mean? Blade Runner is just the term for uh, these detectives. Okay. But they don't make, they don't really make a lot of that in, in either movie. So. Okay. It's uh, a cool name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Rep- replicant is also a word that was invented for the original movie. Wow. Yeah, it, was, uh, it wasn't in the book that the movie was based on, which is uh, Philip K. Dick's Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Um, it was invented for the movie. That's, that's so interesting. Is it? Why? Well, I don't know. I mean, you'd, you'd think of Hollywood as, you know, Hollywood, not, not giving you a, a, a wonderful new word. I don't know. I think that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's cool, too. It is a great word. I can't wait to use it some way, well, other I, than talking about the movie. Well, I don't know that it really applies anywhere outside the universe of Blade Runner. Oh, I'm going to find a way, all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, so before we go, we're going to get to our advice column critique, and we're going to go back to Miss Manners again uh, this week, because we had so much fun making fun of her, and we're running out <laughs> of uh, nationally syndicated columnists to look at. Here's, here's the letter we're talking about this week. Dear Miss Manners, I am a primary care physician. As such, I see medical problems both complex and simple. It is not uncommon to see a patient who is expecting a certain diagnosis, such as an ear infection, but after an appropriate examination and history taking, they are diagnosed with something that they consider more minor. Occasionally, they will complain to me, Well, this was a waste of a copay. I must admit that I'm not sure how to respond. Miss Manners, I am not a physician who rushes through appointments with my patients. I've taken the time to examine them, speak to them, and educate them on how they can feel better, as well as what symptoms would necessitate a follow-up. I would better understand their sentiment if I was in and out quickly, or if I had done something to make them feel as if they are wasting my time. But I don't believe that either of these is the case. While I know their statement is probably an expression of their disappointment in their own self-diagnostic abilities, it also serves to discount the worth of my own education, experience, and time. Do you have an appropriate response for such comments? And Miss Mattis responds that uh, this physician should say, Were you hoping for something more serious? I can assure you that any more interesting prognoses will be far less convenient and much more expensive than the copay which is a useless answer, in my opinion. I think, are you done? Yeah. This is what I think. I think when people go to the doctor, not me, but I think a lot of people want to walk out waving that prescription like a flag. Yeah, I think that's true. So what I would do if I was this doctor, I would say, you know, something along the lines of, Gee, I thought you would be glad to have an easy solution like that and write everything down, you know, like your doctor maybe did. Yeah. Get some over-the-counter name brand, something very specific, you know, gargle with a half a teaspoon of salt and some warm water. You know, I would write down some very specific instructions that way they feel like they're leaving with um, some advice that they've paid for. I like that a lot. 
I think that I would say, hey, it's never a waste to find out that you're actually pretty healthy. Right. Because right. for me, I think that there's some embarrassment. You know, the, the letter writer says this is probably an expression of their disappointment in their own self-diagnostic abilities, which I think, you know, almost gets at it. But to me, I think that people feel an embarrassment when they have gone to the doctor and maybe they feel like it was silly to do so because it's just a cold well, or it's just an allergy yeah. or something like that. I think waste of a copay is intended to be self-deprecating, although I can see, I certainly see this doctor's point of view that it's kind oh, yeah. of a rotten thing to say to the doctor who has yeah. just taken the time to help you. It's it's thoughtless, yeah. For sure yeah. it's thoughtless. Um, but I, th I also, I understand the impulse that it's rooted in, even though as a mature adult, you know, I don't, I don't really care. I'm not deriving my self-worth based on how potent the disease is that I have. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And I frequently say when I go in, you know, I've been coughing for four days. That's really can't sleep at night. And I just want to make sure it isn't pneumonia or, or something yes. more serious. And then they give a listen and, you know, they'll say whatever. And uh, I'm relieved. But now I don't have to worry. I don't have exactly. whatever. Exactly. And I like what you say about writing it down because I really liked when I saw the doctor over the weekend for my thing, you know, even though it was all over the counter stuff, he wrote it, he wrote it all down, when to take it, how to take it. I don't know, made it feel a little more official. I liked having just a set of instructions that I could follow, which, right. of course, That's this morning right. I promptly forgot to do. So, what? <laughs> <laughs> what am so I even talking it works about? To a degree. Yeah, right. It works like a charm. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I I do agree. I do agree with the points that you made about perhaps feeling embarrassed, but I don't think you should ever be embarrassed because your peace of mind is important too. Yes, and maybe that's what the doctor should say. Yeah, you know, um, let me just tell you to not go to the doctor. Uh, uh, somebody I know, husband went to the ER because he thought he was having a heart attack. And the insurance company said, well, it wasn't a heart attack, and we're not going to pay for it. So my friend wrote to them and said, well, could you just send us a letter that says you won't pay for it if he goes to the hospital and he doesn't have a heart attack? Could you send us that letter so that, you know, we would have that? And, uh, and then when he dies... Yeah. We'll sue you. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it's always a good thing. To, it was so absurd for the insurance company to say no. When, you, how do you know? Well, maybe you did have an ear infection or something. You should go. Yeah, I agree. That's awful. But the insurance industry is awful. Uh, they paid it then. That's what, well, yeah. I mean, I don't want to get started on the American health system, but it drives me crazy when uh, we're having this debate over whether the government should be helping, you know, bring order to this system. And people say, oh, but all the bureaucracy you'll have to deal with. And I uh, whenever people say that, I think, what have, have you gone to the doctor? Have you been to the hospital in the last 10 years? It is a nightmare of paperwork. Our... Oh. I'm sorry to get off on a rant here. I'll just say this and then I'll be done. But, um, you know, over the last year, Anna's been to the OB a lot because she had a baby in August. Right. Mom, every time that they sent the bill, and I pay the bills in our household, every time they sent a bill, it was a new account number. So I'd have to go into the 
bill pay thing in the bank and create a new thing with a different account number. And finally, after the sixth time they changed the account number, I called them and I said, hey, you know, this is a real pain. I have to change the information that's with our bank every time we get a new bill. If I just pay the existing account number, will that go through? And they were like, no, no, no. And they said, we do do that on purpose. Every, Every visit is a new account. And I somebody is not using their noggin. I, well, I don't know. What is the point of even having a, an account? Like it has an invoice number on there. Just let me use. I, I don't get it. Yeah. Let's just put a bluebird sticker on it and call it the bluebird sticker account or something. That's ridiculous. So it's just like how much worse could the bureaucracy possibly get? At least we'd all be <laughs> suffering under the same challenges if we had a single payer system, you know, because every plus every insurance company is different. What they're going to try to screw you on, what you have to fight them on, the forms you might have to fill out. It's just it's madness. It's crazy and sad. It is sad because I'm lucky enough to to be secure and have insurance. And boy, for people who are on the fringes of the system, just imagine how much more difficult it is. And those are the people that aren't going to the doctor for things much worse yeah. than an earache. Yeah. Boy, we ended on kind of a downer note here. Is there any anything cheery we can uh, leave the folks with? No. <laughs> yes, yes. Let's just say Thanksgiving is coming and what a, you know, so many things to be thankful for and What are you thankful for? Give me one oh, thing. Oh, you know, I'm always thankful for my family. I'm thankful that I have a hobby that I love. I don't have enough people to bestow my goods on i love to knit yeah and uh hey i got an idea you know uh anybody who's made it all the way to the end here is is certainly a loyal listener not that i don't think you shouldn't listen to the end but i understand people drop off if you've made it to the end you're a loyal listener what if we have a little contest people can just tweet uh let's say hashtag i want some socks to you all right and we'll pick one at random and you can knit a pair of socks for them would you do that love it Yes. Okay, you'll have an outlet for your hobby. All right, so here's the deal, listeners. Mom's Twitter account is uh, MoxieNH, right, Mom? Yep. M-O-X-I-E-N-H. Send her a tweet with the hashtag, I want some socks, or just, you know, tell her you want some socks. We're not going to be too particular about it. And we'll pick one of the tweets at random, and we'll announce it next week, and Mom will knit you a pair of socks. I will. See, we brought it around to happiness again at the end. Perfect. That's great. Wonderful. Okay, so uh, we'll be back next Wednesday. Thank you for enduring. I know I may sound a little nasal. Maybe I sound fine. I actually have no idea at this point. Um, but... Well, you don't. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Well, I love you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, We really appreciate it. Give us a review on iTunes if you can. Tell your friends about the show. We'll talk to you next week. So long for now. 